You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and change maker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. You just heard a great original composition by my son, Asher Schreiber. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. I'd like to welcome Alex Kimbrough to the Make Meaning Podcast. Alex is director of newscasts for Fox 2 Detroit and a Detroit proud advocate for and graduate of Cass Tech High School. He also produced a web series for Fox 2 that won an Emmy. Welcome to Make Meaning, Alex. Thank you very, very much, you dear, kind lady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just so impressed with you, not only because I loved living across the street from you for so many years, but you're this incredibly creative uh, funny, heart-filled guy, and um, and the fun. The thing that I love most, I mean, there's so much about you that I love, but um, your daily cast tech moment when you post that on Facebook. I, as I told you earlier, I don't know any of the people, but I just love how enthusiastic you are and tied to your high school, which represents so many great things about Detroit. And how connected you stay to so many people. And you're sort of the connector with, with this shout out every day. So tell me a little bit about how this came to be and why you do it. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It's tied to my job in, uh-huh. in a sense. Okay. Um, I work in the early morning newscast and I do two newscasts today at Fox 2 News. And there's a, another director there. His name is Donnie Hops, who was director of education at uh, Specs Howard once upon a time. Okay. And when I would do a newscast, there would be someone on the screen or some story that we're doing. And I said, oh, that person went to Cast Tech. Uh-huh. Or oh, I remember that guy. He was at Cast Tech. Huh. So uh, this director, Donnie Hops, said, you know what? Cast Tech is basically everywhere. You know, everything in the world revolves around Cast Tech. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's an interesting idea. Um. And I wanted to set out to kind of prove that. So basically, every time there was some kind of cast technician, I said, look, here's your daily cast tech moment. And it sort of <laughs> blossomed out of that. Yeah. And so then I decided, well, I can't keep this to myself. Right. So let me go into social media. Of course. So I started to post it on Facebook. You know, today, daily cast tech moment. It would be something I would see in my newscast. Uh-huh. But then it expanded to things I would read about or other people's posts about things that they did. Sure. Um, Stuff I would see on TV and the networks, somebody got a new album out, and then I started branching off into Twitter a little bit. Uh, and so it just ballooned from that. And it was supposed to also dovetail with my 10 year odyssey to try to do this documentary about Cast Tech. Okay. So it was sort of a way to help spur me on. Like, there are so many Cast Technicians around. And, you know, it's interesting. When I was at Cast, I couldn't wait to leave it. Of course. <laughs> I couldn't wait to graduate. <laughs> yes. But 
um, there was something about that school, and I don't want this to become a, you know, a, a complete cast tech discussion. Sure. But um, what I learned was um, cast was, was a different kind of place, and it helped me mm-hmm. to fulfill the dreams and like, make me believe that I could do anything. Sure. And sure. a lot of the people who graduated from cast felt that same way, and, and that's one of the things I wanted to top tie into what was it about cast tech so that's what it became and i think we had a discussion once i went to one of your events oh one of my events um, cool. here in royal oak uh-huh. and uh you talked about branding and in the use of social media yeah because i think even though it's been around as long as it has been it's still a mystery to everyone yes and you highlighted how my branding of something as simple as this daily cast tech moment I was being done very well. So I felt very giddy about that. Aww. So, See, I'm still singing your praises all these years later. And, and it's amazing because I, I am truly a novice, a pure bonafide novice. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, the web, social media is still the new frontier. Yes. It is still the next platform that I don't think people or companies or organizations still get a grasp of. Hence why they have to find people like you right. to say, no, you're doing it all wrong. You should do this. So do more <laughs> of that and do the other thing. Yep. So that's kind of how the Daily Cast Tech moments sort of blossom. Well, I feel like social media is about being human in a non-human space. And yes. when you do it well, that's what you're doing. And I was just actually talking with a potential client yesterday about how social media is social. And this is a client, it's a husband-wife team, and the wife is pretty shy, and the husband is sort of surly. And he um, he's a great guy, but he he's like, I don't like people. I don't know if that's true. I just met him. But that's what he said. And I said, well, I have to tell you, social media is a social place. And so it's people connecting with people. And I keep repeating, and I've said this throughout my career, people do business with people. So we have to really live in that social element and if we want to, f- you know, further any cause, whether it's the bottom line or it's a it's a cause that you're advoca- advocating for, we have to connect human to human. And I think one of the things that Cast Tech represents to me, and you know, I grew up in the burbs, so you know, we had all the stereotypical Detroit suburb, you know, type sure, of dichotomy, sure. but. Um, it's sort of like a, a beacon in Detroit. It sort of represented the best of Detroit and still does, I think. It's an incredible school. Had you ever heard of Cast Tech? Yes, okay. actually I had. Good. Yeah. Good. Um my dad, he didn't go there, but he knew of it, you know, and he went to Mumford. Um, I think he went to another school before that, but Mumford was the big one for the sure. baby boomers, you sure. know. But um but yeah, we always knew about Cast Tech. We always passed it on the way to, you know, the Red Wings games or whatever. Right. And um I do think it's sort of this beacon, and I think it represents a lot of good values. It does. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, – there's still some animus toward Cast Tech from people who didn't go there. Sure. <laughs> uh, there's, there's still a lot of uh, ego from some of us who did, mm-hmm. not, not to say that I did. Um, but what, I ha- what I've learned in my research is that there are great, intelligent, talented kids in every school. Oh, yes. Uh, from the schools that you think are the most ghetto-ridden, crime-ridden, uh, downtrodden schools, there's some person or persons there who are just magnificent and gifted. Yeah. You can find it anywhere. The thing about Cass is I think it, it as a collective, it spurred within us the belief that we can be, mm-hmm. we can overachieve. Mm-hmm. And from day one, I remember my ninth grade there, they basically – said that you are, you know, you're here because you're special. 
if you don't hang here, we will send you back to the gen pop. <laughs> like we're like this prison. <laughs> we'll take you out of here. So, you know, just just for that alone and, and the people that came out of there, you know, obviously you have the Dare I say the Kwame Kilpatrick's of the world? Uh-huh. Uh, you've had the John Z. DeLoreans, who even though he created a car company, did a drug deal to get it going. Right. Um, but that's you know, for the most part, I think it was atypical. Yeah. Um, even if uh, there's someone I know who is a uh, a mail carrier, and she's just a dynamic mail carrier. Mm-hmm. There's someone I know who's a FedEx. Uh, deliver. Mm-hmm. She's an incredible FedEx deliverer. I think it builds something up in you. Sure. And I think that's the beauty of cast. And then you wear it with pride. There are people who put cast tech on their resume, myself included. Yep. <laughs> um, and and it's it's a badge of honor. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a Detroit public school. It has some of the issues that Detroit public schools have had. It also has some of the glory that Detroit public schools have had. Um, but. The bottom line is it still goes back to your home life and what's within you. And I had magnificent parenting. And, you know, you do those type of things. It doesn't matter what school you go to. You over exceed. Look at yourself. You didn't go to Cast Tech and look at what you're doing. I know. Can you imagine? Right. You act like you went to Cast Tech. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm going to tell you something funny. I always tell people I'm from Detroit. I have never lived in the city of Detroit. I've lived in the suburbs. Sure. But even when it wasn't a cool thing to say that you were from Detroit, if you were white from the suburbs, you didn't say that. But I was always really proud because of what this city stands for, you know, which sure. is innovation, which is scrappiness, which is, you know, you're going to talk bad about us. We're not going to have that. You right. know, we're going to defy you. And I've always been a huge Detroit defender because I, I believe in in the grit and in the talent and, you know, the wholesome people like this is a, you know, I lived on the East Coast for a while and I couldn't wait to come back. I like to visit the East Coast, but yeah. It's. I feel like Detroit. It's. It's a big city, but it's a little provincial. Yes. It's very relatable. Like it's a community, and so I feel like, no matter what neighborhood I'm in in Detroit, and I'm I'm in Detroit a lot now. You know, my son goes to school downtown. A lot of my clients are downtown, um, and I live close, but not there. But I, you know, I feel like it's mine, and I'm really proud of that. Even pockets of Detroit that need some love. Right. I still claim it. And I feel like there's something really special about that. There are hardworking people here. Yes. Uh, who have a different work ethic, I think. I agree. Uh, I did some work in the, in the uh, California area and it wasn't quite as on top of it as the Detroit Midwesterners are. Right. Um, I think they like the water, the sunshine, like, hey, I mean, really, the Kawabanga dudes, those guys are out there. <laughs> we're, we're, hey, dude, this is cool. Oh, I want me to stand by. Okay, what do you want me to move the camera? So here, you know, they're go-getter, just move, let's get it going, boom, boom, boom. And that that's that's us. And so I, I say Detroit with pride. Um, maybe one day, you know, a person could be from Royal Oak or West Bloomfield and say we're from Detroit and not get uh, ugly looks and sneers because we, the metro region, I think, is wants to embrace the city yeah. overall. Yeah. Um, hopefully, there'll be mutual love, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens one day. Maybe this well, podcast will help. I hope so. I don't care if people scoff at me when I say I'm from Detroit because I that's the definition of being a Detroiter. Is like you can think what you want about me, you can judge me, but if I'm going to claim it, I'm okay with that. You know, and right. and they can reject us all they want. You know, um, I was saying to a friend recently that um, when I went to London last fall to visit a friend. Um, all these people that she was friends with were like, oh, Detroit, it's the number two destination in the world now. And what's going on with entrepreneurship and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but 
we knew this. We knew this right. a while ago, and um, and we're good with that. You know, um, now the rest of the world is catching on. But when we used to have terrible media about us, well, it was that'd be me. <laughs> that'd be us. And I was in media, you know, but I just felt like they don't really know the story. That's not the truth. You know what I mean? Now, technically, yeah. you're still in media. Though. I guess. I guess being in PR is yeah. just crossing over to another angle. Right. You know, you know, you're still providing content and information to the public. Yes, that is so, true. You know, in a variety of methods. This is one print, uh, video. Um, you know, the this again. This is not the Lynn Galadner, you know, resume show. However, <laughs> um, the, you you touch upon a variety of things, and you provide you have provided clients for us. Yes, we appreciate wholeheartedly. We'll be there Friday. Uh, will you? Yeah, I, I won't be there. Oh. I'm taking Friday off. Oh. <laughs> I always look for you. You're not there. I when know. I'm there. I, you know, it'll be 32 <laughs> years. So I got to eat up some vacation day. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you. So let's talk a little bit about your directing because it's impressive that you've been at Fox for 32 years, and that that's um, one word for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the director's seat, running the show, you know. Um, so, you know, why have you loved it so much? What What made you stick around? Um. In all honesty, as I said this when I got an award once, mm-hmm. um, I've never had any type of television production class ever. I really? didn't study this in college. How did you get into it then? I, I was very, very interesting. I was a film major. Okay. Uh, from Wayne State. So I didn't even go to UCLA or USC or NYU. Sure. I, I wanted to go to NYU. Okay. Um, I had a friend I graduated from Cast Tech with. Of course. And uh, he also, <laughs> he and I graduated from Wayne State. He ended up sneaking his way into getting a job at WJBK. Okay. And so he would tell me about job openings and such. I discovered one in the film department, okay. which basically was a production assistant job where you're mailing out. At the time, we were still running 16-millimeter film oh. on the air. Oh, my gosh. So, yes, film breakage and everything was always a thing. So oh. they needed someone to be in part of that department. So I applied. This kind lady, Carolyn Warford, hired me. And I did that for like the first four years in the production department. While I was there, uh, the production department doesn't exist anymore at WJBK. But they used to do all the local shows. You know, okay. they did things like uh, Sir Graves Gasly and there was um, – uh, Chuck Daly's one-on-one, all that stuff. Okay. And I was just uh, a guy who showed up and helped out on the show. Okay. One day, uh, one of the managers said, hey, Alex, why don't you – how did it be a director? Okay. And I said, sure. <laughs> so I had – I spent a lot of time in the control room and I watched what the other directors did. I finally learned how the monitor wall operates and so I was able to fake my way through mm-hmm. and figure out how to direct stuff. Mm-hmm. Um one day, uh, back in the 90s, they just decided to stop running the CBS Morning News on our air because we were a CBS affiliate mm-hmm. and decided to do our own newscast. Okay. And However, they needed more directors to direct the morning as well as the evening and the night. So okay. they said, Alex, you're going to start directing some newscasts. Okay. So I started doing that. My department then faded away and all I ended up doing was just directing news, which is what I've been doing ever since. Wow. And you guys have a lot of news to direct. We have seven and a half hours in the morning oh starting gosh. at 4.30 until noon. Right. We have another hour. No, we have two hours from 5 until 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Okay. And then we have another 90 minutes from 10 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. It's amazing every day. Every single day. (laughs) I only do um, two shows normally. I do the 4.30 till 6. Okay. And from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Okay. Um, However, I have done all of them. I have at some point done every newscast, anything we put on the air. 
Um, the only thing I've never done amazingly was let it rip with Huel. I've oh, yeah? I've never done that. Wow. Um, I've done the morning weekend let it rip, but I've never done the one with Huel. Okay. Um, and, you know, after a while, uh, I was asked to freelance. Okay. You know, I'm saying this in front of my boss. Well, they know now. Um, <laughs> I would freelance at Channel 56. You okay. know, they needed some directors. So I would go over there and I'd learn to do pledge. You did auction and then they did these doctor shows. You know, the ones where yeah. Dr. So-and-so has a book. Yep. And he's going to do a, a 20 minutes here, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes here. Sure. Um, I would direct a lot of those. I started doing concerts. Okay. We do, they do a show called, um, uh, Detroit performs live, which is live with no break. So, you know, don't, <gasps> drink, don't drink anything. Um, <laughs> I do the uh, New Year's Eve show there. Mm-hmm. So every New Year's Eve, I'm down at the Fillmore or wherever they're going to have it this time. And I would do the countdown. This the only live Detroit uh, broadcasted uh, uh, New Year's Eve show. Mm-hmm. So, but I learned that I could take my directing skill from here and I can apply it over here. Sure. Um, although there is different types of directing, multi camera, single camera. Uh, very rarely have I had to deal with actors and give them blocking, but I have done that. Sure. Um, but I've I had a wonderful experience in terms of learning how to do that and. You know, it's it's really basically a form of storytelling. Absolutely. And um, that's really how I hold directing. I want to be a producer more than anything else. Okay. That was my dream when I was 12. Okay. Uh, however, I've learned – I do direct now because I've learned how to do it. So okay. So that's what I do. That's great. So you, you tell a lot of stories, a lot of days. You, um, you're in so many places representing so many – parts of Detroit, of the community, of yourself, how would you say you make meaning, whether it's in your work or in your family life or both? You know, where do you find that meaning or that purpose? Um, it's interesting. In in the aspect of storytelling, because uh, there's so many different types of stories mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as I said, I, not only do I direct, I've also produced, mm-hmm. I've also written, mm-hmm. you know, written for the things I've produced. Mm-hmm. And Finding out the stories of human conditions uh, and maybe telling the stories that people don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the web series I did um, was about – it was a reality show and I hate reality shows. <laughs> but I, the basis of it was I found three unemployed people in Metro Detroit. Okay. And I followed them on their journey to find work. Wow. Uh, it took a grandmother who had been a stay-at-home grandmother who wanted to start a business uh, a gentleman who had a criminal record, mm-hmm. who was banging his head against walls because he couldn't get a job because mm-hmm. of his record, uh. and a student who just freshly graduated from uh, Marygrove College. Okay, and each of them had their own thing that they were trying to get through, you know, and their own angst. But it's interesting they they all had the same desire to improve themselves, and I think that's part of the storytelling aspect. And when you direct, another director told me a long time ago the idea is to show relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find meaning in the idea of that of showing the human relationships between people, because mm-hmm. as you said, you know, communication, media, it's all about human human communication. Yeah. And when I direct something, whether it's news, whether it's sports, which I don't do much anymore, whether it's a webcast, I've done a special on Black History. You know, what are the stories of these people? Mm-hmm. And they enrich me. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned a lot about them, and that's the thing about being in media. 
particularly in news, you learn so much stuff about mm-hmm. p- about things, and then to be able to tell those stories to other people, mm-hmm. do it with a certain level of clarity. Sure. Um, and sure, you throw the bells and the whistles in along with it to keep people interested. Something shiny to say, oh, look at that. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I get meaning out of it because – and purpose out of it because that's the thing that I want to do. I want to be a storyteller. Sure. Um, I have stories within me. One of my big downfalls – if I'm talking too much to say so. Um, <laughs> I'll cut you off. Don't thank worry. Thank you very much. Um, one, one of the things about me that's my downfall is that I keep coming up with ideas mm-hmm. of different ways to tell stories and different types of stories. I'm fascinated with um, social media mm-hmm. and this whole aspect of uh, – Vlogging yep. and podcasting, Facebook. I just discovered a show today. What's the show? Um, it's called Red Table Talk. Okay. I was told about this yesterday. But okay. I just saw it today. It's with Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay. And it's a 20 minute Facebook show. Wow. She's done two episodes. Okay. It's with her, her mother, and her daughter. Okay. And they literally have a big red table. Oh, cool. And they talk about a topic. They, there's a single topic, which I always find is best. Mm-hmm. Find a single topic. Yes. You start getting multiple topics, it goes all over the place. Yes. And and it was interesting. The first one was about motherhood. The second one was about surviving loss. And this is a magnificent concept. They don't do it live. However, if they did it live, that would be different. Sure. Um, Twitter has its own things. You know, this magnificent place that I have now discovered and will now keep on my radar because <laughs> doggone it I may have to come back here you might have to podcast now. I may have to podcast something but you know I'm, this is a long answer to your one question I apologize about how you make meaning yes, yes. so that's how I make meaning <laughs> well, <laughs> I, hope so you, I hope you're keeping a journal of all these ideas because you probably can't keep up with all of your ideas and produce them as they come to you so I hope you're like jotting them down no that's no. part of my problem I, I need you know part of my issue is organization you know if I were to do my ideal work mm-hmm. it would be to produce a variety of different types of things sure i don't want to direct or produce just one type of thing i want to do a variety of stuff and um i i think at this point in my life i can create alex 2.0 yeah and That's alex fun. 2.0 could be you know I, I can go so many ways i don't know if i want to create more things do i just want to teach um, which I'm skittish about because, again, I had no training in what I did. So yeah. how do I teach this to somebody? That doesn't matter. You um, know your stuff. Someone said that to me, and I don't know. How is that possible? Because you're an expert in it. So you can share that expertise, I, I, and you're relatable. Faking it all these years. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Seriously? <laughs> you, no, you've instructed. Yes, you I've taught been. college English for the past 20 years, right. and I do feel like I actually really know it now. But I've been in PR for 11 years, and I think for the first seven or eight, I was faking it. I mean, I could do it, and I did a good PR job. Right now, couldn't you? Absolutely. Right. But you know, in the first years, I'm like, they're buying this. I, I can, They think I can do this, and then I did it. I can't but, believe these people know. gave me an Emmy. That's what I don't <laughs> understand. That I was stunned when cool, that was nominated, man. and then I realized, you know, how I found out I won an Emmy. I was oh. directing the Emmy show, <laughs> and we were going over the reel of winners, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, that's my show. And like all of a sudden, it clicked. Like, oh, it's me. <laughs> I won an Emmy. That's literally what I said. And the text were all upset because, you know, the producer would be really mad at me because we showed you that you won. So I won before the show even started. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So – and my wife was sitting in the audience. So she was still upset with me about finding that out. But that's okay. I, I, I have it. And it gave me a chance to get a speech together. Yes. Yes, and, yes. And I took as much time as I wanted because I was directing the show. So I don't know, <laughs> I'm not cutting myself off. So I will stand up here all day. Oh, that's awesome. Sorry. Well, listen, I know we have to wrap up, but I'm I just s- want to ask you one last question. And that is what advice you would offer our listeners for how they 
build a purposeful life that's full of meaning? What would you recommend? I, I recommend that whatever is in your heart, whatever you want to do, whether you think you know how to do it or not, go ahead and take that risk and take that leap. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blessed to have parents who never told, when I told them I want to be a, a film producer, they never discouraged me, even though they kind of were skittish about it. Sure. They let me be me. That's and amazing. they were proud of the way I went. So everybody has something that's meaningful to them, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a career, whether it's a project, whether it's uh, a cause. Don't let your life or the circumstances of your life block you from doing that because you'll always have that, I wish I could have, I, yeah. I should have done it. Um, pursue it. You'll be amazed how skillful you really are and how many people will be of support to you. Don't let any naysayer get in your way. And you will find the deep meaning of whatever you're doing, and then you'll discover something else. That's the other part. I love You go on this path, and all of a sudden, ooh, I didn't know. I can do this, and this can happen, and this happened. And the other part of that is it will always affect someone else. Mm -hmm. Someone will learn from it. Well, Did I stop I, you from asking you other questions? Did no, I really but sure? I want to bring us back to our initial talk about that Cast Tech Daily moment because yes. what that really is is the connect, the power of connections and relationships. And so I don't even know how many years ago I met you, but I feel like, okay, now that I'm here, I'm not letting go. And those relationships and those connections are, I think, one of the things that build meaning in life. And and they take you on that journey. It's stunning. He, to get back to the point where I was saying, I, I did the Daily Cast Tech moment. All the cast technicians love it. Yep. But what's surprising, the people who never went to cast. Hello, me, yes. And they're like, this is fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they discovered my uncle went to cast and I didn't know this person went to cast. And then it's it's that. That's why you pursue what you want to do yeah. or what is important to you. And you'll be surprised at the lives you touch. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Alex Kimbrough, one of my favorite people, for joining me in this conversation about making meaning. Um, Alex is a director at Fox 2 Detroit and a really remarkable person. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Bless you.